Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. Well, today the burning pink candle of the Advent wreath proclaims joy to us. It's called the Shepherd's Candle, and it represents the shepherds, what they experienced when they first learned about Jesus, the Messiah, being born. You see, God, the creator of everything in heaven and the earth, was coming to live among us. The darkness of evil and the world would soon be pierced with the light of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for what we've experienced today thus far, Lord, in the worship. Uh, How meaningful was it to see our children uh, singing praises to you, Lord. I know that it meant a lot to your ears as well, Lord. Uh, And for the video that kind of gave us a modern day uh, look at what happened so long ago back then. So, Lord, as we open your scriptures, may it speak to our hearts, Lord, as we celebrate the true meaning of Christmas, Lord, and as we find that Christmas joy. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. When we think about the joy of Christmas, I'm sure that your mind and my mind can go to many different places. Perhaps it is the memories that we have of children and wanting to wake up to Christmas. And that morning we see uh, so all these great things that the man in the big red suit brought us. Or perhaps it's simply remembering what it was like to be younger when we had our family and our friends close by. These type of memories can make a wonderful time of the year. I do think that uh, you have the hustle and bustle of the commerce of Christmas and the parties and all that kind of stuff. But there's just something about once Christmas Day hits and the the last couple of days, it just everything just kind of slows down, doesn't it? I love that time of year. And the thing is, some of us, however, may not have pleasant Christmas experiences. Perhaps we have uh, lost a loved one around the Christmas time or maybe something traumatic may have happened during the Christmas season that makes you think of it every year. Those times are, are hard to remember. So with Christmas, you may be having a great Christmas, but just understand that there may be somebody, maybe even somebody in this sanctuary today or watching by way of Facebook that would just say, yeah, this is a tough time of year for me, so please pray for me. There are people watching right now. There are those of you in here that are, you've got... Y'all look great. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. You did good this morning putting yourself together. But uh, beyond all of that, sometimes we're searching for joy. And I pray that you find that same joy as well. Because it is important to determine where our source of joy comes from. It is important to learn and to identify where our source of joy comes from. Especially at Christmas time. I can remember getting a bicycle or a toy ambulance or a spaceship or a computer. The things that I received as a child, they brought me joy for a time. But most of those things I no longer own. The joy that was fleeting. But the joy that we celebrate today, on the other hand, is everlasting. You see, we can find it by looking no further than God's Word that proclaims Jesus Christ is the source of our joy. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Just one verse that says so much. And we see here the promise of the Christmas joy 
to come. The promise of the Christmas joy to come. Let's read that. It says, For unto us a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What I find amazing about this passage is that it was promising. We call this a prophetic piece of work. It is prophecy. It was saying some 600 years before Jesus was born, it was predicting that moment. Now, I can make guesses, but I, the fact that I could guess something that will be happening long before I'm gone, 600 years. It was a prophetic message. It was saying, look, we don't have hope today, but hope is coming. Hope is on the way. The birth of Jesus Messiah was part of God's plan all along. Again, even at your best guess, you could not predict something that would happen 600 years later. The good thing about this is as you read this and you think about this was foretold 600 years ago, I want you to know something. God is in control. No matter what you think of what's going on right now, whatever political party you identify with and all that kind of stuff that's going on and all the culture wars that we have and, and, and where you're at, at the bottom line, at the end of the day, I want you to know that God is in control of this world. God did not just kind of piece things together as he goes. It's not a haphazard, this world is not God winging it. There's been a purpose from the very beginning of time. As he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live on this world as a human among us and to communicate his love to us and also, of course, to die for our sins. As you will see, you cannot celebrate Christmas without looking at the shadow of the cross. You see, near and far prophecy is shown here. Go back and look at the verse. One verse. It says, a child is born. A child, flesh and blood. We see the humanity of our Lord Jesus Christ. He had the, the, the same physical makeup that, that you have. So don't tell me that Jesus can't understand what you're going through. Don't tell me that Jesus doesn't understand pain and emotions He was human. He lived like you did. He lived among us. He was a hundred percent human. He started as a child. He didn't just appear in the earth in 33 years. He had to grow up. He had to learn lessons. So, a child is born. We see his humanity. But also it says, a son is given. So here we see the divinity of Jesus. He was 100% human, but he was also 100% God. He was the Son of God. And it says a son is given. Even here at Christmas, we have to say, as I said a moment ago, that a son was given so that that precious little baby would grow up without blemish. He would do many miracles. People would love him. People would hate him. People would cheer him. People would spit on him. And ultimately, he died. That sweet baby that we celebrate in many of Christmas programs today, they have the sweet baby in the manger, also has the cross ahead of him. 
If, you, if, I, if I could just draw a picture, it would be a picture of Jesus in a manger in a cold, dark cave with just Mary and Joseph and some animals around and in the shadow of the cross in the background. You realize he was born to die for you and I. There is nothing weaker or more helpless than a child. When a baby is born, the mother and the father, they have, to be, they have to do everything for that baby, right? Feed, change, clothe, all of those things. Because the baby can't do it. Like imagine God, the creator of this universe, sending his son and having to depend on a teenage girl and her husband to take care of it. That's a pretty amazing thought. Mary was the age of some of the girls that are in this room right now. Imagine the trust that God had in Mary and Joseph. A baby, the the Savior of the world is needed. His, His nose needs to be wiped. His diaper needs to be changed. He needs to learn and grow up and understand what it means to be a boy and then a man. I fully believe, as we looked at last week, many of the reasons Jesus was like he was on the earth was because of the lessons that his father Joseph taught him as well. You see, Philippians chapter 2, verse 7 says this, and I'll put it on the screen for you. It says, instead he gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave. And he was born as a human being. I know we hear it every single Christmas, but I hope you can drill it into your head today that God saw that there was A crisis here on earth. It's called sin because Adam and Eve fell. We all inherited that. And so what he did is he knew that he needed to help us. So what he did is he sent his son to become flesh among us. I don't know about y'all. I remember years ago, years ago, and I just now thought about this, so I apologize. But I remember years ago I was on a mission trip and I was a youth pastor's assistant or something like that. And so we were going to somewhere in Alabama. It's a mission trip already, right? We were going somewhere in Alabama, and we got to the place to stay, and we were staying in renovated chicken coops. And when I say renovated, I use that term very loosely. But we were sleeping, and by the middle of the week we were tired, and man, that thing was great. But you know what? I could not wait to get back to the regular bed, the regular restroom, the regular everything and get back to what I was used to. Now, staying in a chicken coop is not, uh, is not life-shattering, but can you imagine Jesus leaving heaven, leaving his throne to walk among us and humbly following what God has asked him to do? His Father says, go and die for them, and you're going to start by I'm going to have you born as a baby, and you're going to grow, walk among them, Teach them and share with them what my love is like for them. And then you are going to die for them. He gave up his divine privileges. Why? Because he loves you. I I don't know if you understand this, but if you go back and you look at scripture, Jesus was in on creation. When you were created, God created you. But God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they were all there. Jesus created you. And he loved you enough to come. And die for you. Then it says that 
By claiming Jesus as a child or human and son of God as divine, the repetition promotes emphasis. While Isaiah may have intended the repetition to merely for the sake of emphasis, we rejoice in the Holy Spirit's guidance in every word that Jesus, the Messiah, is fully God and fully man. So if someone were to ask you, what's the percentage of Jesus being human and the percentage of Jesus being divine, both of those? It's not 50-50. It's not 60-40. It's 100-100 on both. Then it says, wonderful counselor. Any of y'all need a counselor? I do. I've needed one for a long time. My heavenly counselor, my wonderful counselor. This, look at how he came. He meets us where we are. Jesus did not come to this earth to be a political figure. He didn't look for political power. He wasn't trying to do some religious establishment. He came for you. He became a human just like you so you could identify with him and so you would run to him. He came for you to seek out the hurt and the broken and the cast aside. His purpose, he was tempted in every way that there was to be tempted, yet he did not sin. He came to this earth knowing the pain and persecution of what was ahead of him. I don't know about y'all, but I know around April, middle April, there's something most of us have to deal with, and it's called taxes. And I dread it every year. Oh, my goodness, what am I going to do about taxes? Y'all look, and y'all the same way? Do you love taxes? No, I don't like taxes at all. But the thing is, I know it's coming. Can you imagine Jesus and his whole life knowing what was to come? But yeah, he did that. Why? Because he loved his, God, his Father God, and he loves you. That was his purpose. He came to this earth knowing the pain and the persecution that was ahead of him. Not only does he feel for us in times of struggles, but folks, he walks with us. You may think today that you've got this figured out. You're here on Sunday morning and the preacher's preaching and you're getting your little dose of of scripture and church, and hey, I praise God for that. But some of you think as soon as you walk out of these doors, you can go back to the way you were living. Going into the same places, doing the same thing that you shouldn't be doing, and you think that Jesus is still here. No, my friend, he is with you. In the good and in the bad. You can't turn them on and off. If you are a believer, you have his Holy Spirit in you, and you are bringing him with you in the good and in the bad as well. And that's not to scare you. That's just to say he is with you. Whether you are struggling or whether you are on cloud nine, he walks with you. And Jesus is our counselor. And as a counselor, he wants you to get real with him. What good would it be for you to go to a licensed counselor and pay all this money to not be truthful with them? God wants you to be truthful with him. And I know, look, some of you, you've got your friends, you've got your squad, you've got, I don't know what they call it now. You've got your group of people that you hang out with and you get your truth from them. And that's okay. Look, I understand it. It's okay to get support from friends and even church members. But here's the thing. If that person that you're going to for help is not a person of God's word, they're going to be leading you into a ditch and they don't even mean to. You don't believe me? Look at he had friends and a wife who basically told him to curse God and die and crawl in a hole. That wasn't good advice. But 
I mean, come on now. If you want help or you want someone to, to, to take your side, you're going to go to the person that will take your side. Oh, I cannot believe that. But you were right to do that. And you feel better about it. But what about that person that says, oh, you really messed up. And, and this is what you need to do. We don't want that. But that's what God will do with us. He will give us the truth. Not what we want to hear. And then we see that Jesus is the source of joy. If you would, turn over to Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 8. We're going to talk about the shepherds. It says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flock of sheep. Suddenly. If you like to underline in your Bible, I always try to underline where suddenly is. Suddenly. An angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. I will bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Good news is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news is he will die and your sins will be forgiven because of what this baby is going to do. And it says in verse 11, The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem. And so we, we've heard that a million times and we kind of we know what it says. But imagine if it were to say, Jesus Christ has come back. Today, to take his church home. We'd be excited about that, wouldn't we? Because it's something we've been waiting all of our life for as believers. But for here, for the Jewish community, they, they were looking for the Messiah. Some of them are still looking for the Messiah. But here, they have finally heard, the Messiah is here. That's good news. That's just as good as when the, you smell food all day and all of a sudden... Your family members say, okay, it's time to eat. Woo! I got some joy. Joy, 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 joy down in my heart. In my gut too, right? Well, verse 11, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. I always wonder why they say Bethlehem, the city of David. Well, I asked. And the reason it says the city of David is because David's father, Jesse, lived in Bethlehem. And Bethlehem is where David was anointed as king by the prophet Nathan. And it says, you will recognize him by a sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth. Snugly in strips of cloth. When we see that played out in a church play or a movie or a a video, we oh, that is so sweet. But you know that... Wrapping that baby like that was a premonition. It was a prediction. It was a foreshadowing of Jesus being wrapped, his body, after being crucified for our sins. Even in his birth, we see the foreshadowing of the cross. And it says, verse 13, again, here's that word. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God. They were having a party. And they said, God is saying glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. Now, there you go. I'll talk. Well, I'll get that in a minute. What a birth announcement. There was no gram. There was no tweet. There was no thread. There was no snap. There was no reels. There was no YouTube videos. There was none of that. It was just 
the angels sharing with them what the good news could be. And look, we are still celebrating that good news today. And God chose to deliver the greatest news ever to some lowly shepherds. You would think if the Messiah was coming, he would have gone to the temple and shared with the religious leaders, or he would have gone to, to some grand square and said, Hey, everybody, Jesus come. No, but he went to shepherds. What is significant about that? In Jesus' day, shepherding was not the most glorious occupation. Shepherds, they were the blue-collar workers of that day. And the shepherds, they always smelled like the flocks of sheep that they kept. And it was bad. Okay, dad joke number two today. These shepherds were like the ones that watched over the lambs that would be used in the temple sacrifices. And the shepherds were invited. They go from watching sheep that are used in sacrifice to go see the sacrificial lamb that would be sacrificed for your sins and my sins once and for all. And finally, and of all the people that God brought that news to, He brought it to the common man, somebody like you and me. Somebody that that is not deserving it by any means, but other than by God's grace. So if God will take His good news to lowly shepherds, then God will bring His news to you as well, my friend. Warren Wiersbe says that by visiting the shepherds, the angel revealed the grace of God towards all mankind. Look, if, if Jesus would have been revealed just to politicians or priests, I wouldn't have much use for that. But he was revealed to the common man like you and me. And just a little side note, you didn't ask for this, but I'm going to go there anyway. Just a little biblical accuracy note. I know we've seen a lot of of Christmas plays and all that kind of stuff. But if you see a Christmas play where the shepherds are looking at the star and following the Bethlehem Bethlehem star all the way to Bethlehem, the shepherds didn't have that. That was the Magi. And that actually happened about two years later. When the Magi went and they brought the gold, frankincense, and myrrh, Jesus was a boy. He wasn't a little baby Jesus. So you didn't pay for that, but just as you are picturing it, if you want to be scriptural, understand that those shepherds, they didn't have a star guiding them. They were told the news to go to Bethlehem, and they just went. And it says the the radiance of the Lord surrounded them. Suddenly... Anytime you see the word suddenly in Scripture, you know that God's about to do something amazing. In verse 9, it says, suddenly, and an angel of the Lord appeared. I don't know about you, but if suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among us, that would get our attention. And then it says again, what, verse 13? Suddenly, more angels appeared. And then verse 10. What does it say in verse 10? Look at your Scripture. It is something that he says here that he also told Mary and he also told Joseph on separate occasions. As we learned last week, when God gave Mary the news and Joseph the news that they were going to go through this virgin birth process and bring the Savior of the world, they were scared. He told Joseph, he told Mary, and now he tells the shepherd, Do not be afraid. Here's the thing we can take from that. 
God requests of you in the suddenly moments of your life. And it comes with his protection. If God is calling you to do so, if God is calling you to follow him and give your life to him as Savior and Lord, he's saying, do not be afraid because if you will trust God enough with your life, God, God, his protection will come with that. If God is calling you to be a missionary, to be a, some kind of Christian service or, or even a, a Christian business person, or, or whatever God has called you to do. If God is calling you to do it, it is coupled with His protection. Do not be afraid. Then He says, good news of great joy. Folks, Jesus the Messiah has been born today. The Messiah you have been waiting for is here. And much like the joy we will experience at the second coming. I don't know about you, but if I'm still here when Jesus Christ comes back, there's going to be a lot of joy. If I'm in the ground or wherever I'm at when Jesus comes back, there is going to be a lot of joy. Because all of these things that I've studied and all of these things that I've built my life on will become real. That's why, some, I mean, many funerals of believers, I can say honestly that those funerals of believers, they are finally experiencing what they gave their life for. And what a beautiful thing that is. And that is joy. I'm telling you, in my years of service, you can tell when somebody has their life right. And you can tell when somebody's kicking and screaming all the way to the end. It's not pretty. The time to make a decision. To accept that good news is today. And it says you will recognize him in verse 12 by strips of cloth lying in the manger. When it says you will recognize him, it's not like saying, all right, shepherds, if you feel like it, go see him. They're saying, look, shepherds, leave your sheep, leave them with somebody else, take care of your stuff, but go now and see what I'm telling you. And you know what? They did. And then worship broke out in verse 14. The multitude of angels glorifying God highlighted the significance of Jesus' birth. And it showed that this birth was not just an earthly thing, but all of heaven was rejoicing. You see, Joseph, Mary, and the shepherd knew the joy of Christmas. Let me share this with you. Joy is not found in understanding why or how God does anything. Joy is found in saying yes to him when he calls. Joy is not found in understanding why. But God, why? As I told you before, asking God why is a hole that you will never fill. But I do know this, whatever God does in your life is always for your good. Joy is not found in understanding why or how God does anything. Joy is found in saying yes to him when he calls. So as we wrap up our time today, the joy of Christmas tells us the birth, death, and resurrection can transform a person's life. Folks, you do not have to go through life alone. And look, I understand this because it's happened to me before. Maybe it's happened to you. I can be in a room full of people and still feel alone. I can be at home with my family and friends that love me and still feel alone. I can be lying in the bed with nothing but the sound of the ceiling fan going, woo, woo, woo. 
and still be alone. But because of Christmas, because of Jesus becoming human, because of Jesus coming to this earth, we can have the joy of knowing we are never alone. Whether you are surrounded by people or you are by yourself, if you are a believer, Jesus is always with you. Don't let the devil lie to you and say that he's not. There are many people who need to hear this message of joy and hope today. Spend time connecting with Jesus, my friends. Work on your relationship with him this Christmas and find your joy. Find the joy of Christmas. The joy is not going to be found in the family get-togethers, in the office parties, in the perfect gift, in all of the food. Those things are great, but they will pass. But true joy comes from the fact that Jesus Christ was born on this earth, that he died a sinner's death, and he resurrected so that you can be at peace with God, that is where your joy is found. And it is a gift that God has given you. James 4.8 says this. James 4.8 says, look, if you draw close to God, he will draw close to you. Some of you in here might say, well, God seems so far away and distant. My friend, let me tell you, all you got to do is turn around. It takes one step. Turn to God, and he will draw close to you. Find wisdom and direction and revelation of his plan for your life by putting in the work with your relationship with him. We were talking in our life group class this morning about putting in the work of relationships. We were talking about prayer and and talking, communication, all that kind of stuff. And for any relationship to thrive, you got to do the work. You've got to put in the work. You can ask many of our senior adults here that have been married for many years. Some of their spouses have been uh, gone on to heaven, but still, they'll tell you. They'll tell you it took work. But, oh, it was so, such a blessing. My friends, your relationship with God doesn't just happen. It takes some work. It takes some effort. It takes you jumping in and spending time with him. It does not come easy. Do you realize... Yes, your relationship with God. If you are a Christian today, you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. That was hard for you to do, I understand, but you did it, and now you're saved. You've got your fire insurance. You're not going to go to hell. Okay, I understand that. But is that all you really want to your Christian life? Do you want to be able to, to get into heaven and that's it? Or do you want to experience the blessings of living a life that God has for you right now? Your salvation, it came easy. It was a gift. You accepted it, but it was not cheap. The baby that we celebrate at Christmas would rise and grow up to at 33 and a half years old be crucified for your sin and mine. And what that tells us, the joy of Christmas today is, is that there was a plan for your redemption What tells us is if you want to be saved from your sins, today could be the day of accepting that gift of Jesus Christ dying for your sins. And today could be the first day of the rest of your eternity. That's the joy of Christmas. And it's my prayer that everybody in here understands the joy of Christmas today. That is being with God through a relationship 
with Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, in this time of invitation, Lord, we just want to give you glory and honor. God, as we celebrate joy, as these candles burn, Lord, about the different elements that, Lord, you have offered to us through Christmas, Lord, one of the greatest gifts, not one of the greatest gifts you gave us was your son, Jesus Christ. If there is one person here today that needs the joy of Christmas, they need Jesus as their Savior and Lord to forgive them of their sins and to help them walk and live for you. They're tired of living life on their own and messing things up. They need your help. They want to start new and fresh. May today be that day. They can come forward and pray with me. They can get a friend to bring them up here and we'll talk with them or they can do it right where they're at and talk with but they got to tell somebody. This is not a secret service. God, tell them. Give them the boldness to say, I accepted Jesus Christ today. And for the countless numbers of saved, secure Christians that are in this room today, help them not go through another Christmas without remembering the profound meaning and the weight of what Jesus Christ did for us by becoming human and dying for our sins. May we find our joy in that, Lord. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. If you would like to pray to receive Christ or if you'd like to join this church or be baptized, whatever your decision may be, come forward at this time or you can pray at the altar. (laughs) 